Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Welcome. This is the Breakfast with Champions podcast, one of the most unique, amazing, and powerful podcasts you'll ever come across in your entire life. Listen, we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration, and ultimately give you an opportunity to get a seat at the table, to hang out with some of those that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. What makes this podcast so unique and incredible is we have over a hundred different thought leaders that are constantly delivering amazing, over-the-top, powerful, and impactful content in bite-sized nuggets that you can absorb, take action on, and implement in your life. So with that said, make sure you filter through. There's going to be some of these thought leaders, these experts in their industries that you're ultimately gonna connect with. You're gonna totally, totally resonate. It's gonna totally be your vibe. And then there's gonna be other ones that you're gonna be like, eh, you know what? I like them, but I don't know if I love them. And that's what's great about Breakfast with Champions is we have something for everyone. So make sure you sift through, find the ones that you love, and know that they'll be coming back every single week to be able to deliver to you the motivation and education and inspiration that you need. With that said, my name is Glenn Lundy. I am your host. Super excited to connect with you. And let's kick off today's episode of Breakfast with Champions. You guys are in for a treat this morning. I have a good friend of mine, Dr. Chris, here on the stage. Good morning, Dr. Chris. Well, hey, fam. How are we doing? Well, better now that you're here with your duck on your head. We're going to have to get lit. Yes, <laughs> I, I very much want to encompass the professionalities of doctor land with the duck on my head. That's me. Well, I think people are going to learn a lot about you and how science can be super dope. So we're super excited to have you. I just wanted to introduce you all to Dr. Chris Lee today. He is incredible. Like you said, you know, do you look at your doctor with a duck on his head and be like, oh my gosh, like you're just like me. And we're going to have just a great conversation today. So just a little background. Dr. Chris does teach leaders to regulate and rewire their brain for both clarity, motivation, health, and overall success. He is super passionate about emotional intelligence, neuro and biohacking, and also self-regulation, which is perfect for the times that we're living in right now. Like I said, he does make science super fun and relatable, and I don't know anyone else who can teach you about mental health through trap rap. So those are my kind of people, and we're so excited to have you here today, Dr. Chris. So I just want to quickly just hop on in. Um, you are actually have been working with one of my dear friends for a good minute. And when I tell you the transformation that I have seen in her and she is forever singing your praises, she was like, I'm like, oh my gosh, where'd you learn how to do that? And she's like, oh, just a session with Dr. Chris. I'm like, uh, naturally. So would love to hear from you. How did you get into this world of EQ and self-regulation? Would love to hear your story and, um, we'll just get started. Yeah, let's do it. Let's dive right in. Um, so yes, absolutely crazy and insane all at the same time. Hopefully my intention here is to share some practical tips that you can use for your own high performance and mental health, because truly those two things go hand in hand. We cannot separate those two. I am living the most beautiful accident ever. The life that I have now is definitely not the one 
that I thought I would be able to live, where I get to be in my dream house, living on an island, get to go paddleboard every morning with my daughter. Like life is just this dream and it's a complete and total accident. So we're gonna be talking about two unprocessed things today. I can help you with one and the other one I can't because both of these things are what we're not taught to process in school. The first is our taxes. I cannot help you process your taxes whatsoever. I can't help you make sense of them. That 1099 is somebody else's problem. The second one is going to be your emotions and understanding how our emotions both limit us and the impact that they have on our belief systems. More importantly, the change that they have on our neurology and on our brain. And that's kind of where I've focused my research and where I focused myself and my intentions. But again, this is kind of a total accident to get me to where I am today. So if we kind of rewind the clock and go back five years, I was about 23 years old and I was in the middle of a neurophysiology midterm. Now, a neurophysiology midterm is typically like more challenging than usual. You know, you're combining the brain and its impacts on the nervous system and all the hundred trillion cells in our body, how those two things orchestrate. You can probably imagine that those two things are kind of like this dumpster fire rolling down like a Sharknado, like madness type of thing. And this one was given by somebody that I'm to this date fairly certain did not speak English and decided to write a test, also not in English. So I walked out of there not feeling straight tens. So like any proper 23 year old, I was like, you know what? It's Friday, I'm gonna go treat myself, right? I just got the snot kicked out of me, so let's go live life to the fullest. So I got on my Goodwill 21 speed bike and I'm like, you know what? Today's the day. Today we celebrate life. So I rode my happy behind to the Walmart, went to the clearance aisle, I got me some dark chocolate for $2 from Easter, and then I went to the wine and I was like, ooh, what are we gonna have? Three wishes, which for anybody wondering, three wishes stands for the $3 that that red bottle of cab uh, really represented. And I was like, oh, we are gonna go home. We're gonna watch Friends. We're gonna put a crazy straw on this bottle of wine and we are going to celebrate the existential bliss of getting the ever loving snot kicked out of us. And that was the game plan. So I put my things in my backpack and I'm bebopping my way home. And before I continue, I just want to take a little sidestep. I'm a fond believer that every single one of you, and myself included, are kind of born with these gifts. And these gifts are meant for only us to understand at the start. It's that voice that keeps you up at night. It's the thing that gives you white ceiling syndrome. And white ceiling syndrome is that like looking up at the ceiling at night, right when you're trying to go to bed, and there's a voice, there's a song, there's something that's keeping you awake. And it's only something that you can try to understand if you try to explain it to your friends. It almost feels like this urge, this call, something more, something beyond. And I had that a lot. And the universe, God, whatever you empower yourself to believe in, tends to illuminate a path forward to express your potential. Right? And I think a lot of us can probably agree with that. And the path is not straight and the path is not easy, but it's always available to you. And it opens up at different portions in our time. Some of us get that experience through trauma. I am definitely one of those people. And what the universe had been doing for me for the last few years was kind of opening up my world and saying, hey, Chris, yeah, I know you wanna do like the nine to five like doctor thing, but like I kind of put some stuff in you, which you should like probably kind of do, like all the cool kids are like expressing their potential. So if you just want to get on that gravy train, that'd be super dope. And I was like, nah, universe, like I appreciate you so much. I really, really do. But like, I just wanna live in my mediocrity. Like I, I'm so happy with my nine to five. And the universe goes, yeah, but like, you know, I'm just like, here's the place that you can express that potential, right? Like I, I, I made this for you, right? And it's like, no, no, 
No, no. So long story short, I'm a super slow learner, but the universe extremely forgiving, right? Extremely kind. We live in a nice friendly universe and the universe kind of whispers and gives you these like little like nudges, like, here you go, sweetheart. Like you got this. And then it starts to give you like the, Hey, like maybe this way, friend. And then you start to get the, yo, homie, this way, potential expressed happiness, fulfillment. Are you blind or like what's going on over here? And I was starting to get to that phase in life and turns out there's another phase after that, which is two by four to the back of the head where the universe goes, we, uh, we got a slow learner over here. So here's what we're gonna do for you, buddy. We're gonna crack you upside the head with profound self-awareness so that like you can get up on this path because you got people to serve. And that's where I was kind of at. I was getting all these things, the white ceiling syndrome and like, Oh, I was just like, man, I, I feel stuck, but like I'm, I'm doing good things, right? Like I don't understand like what's really going on. Well, still a slow learner. And that, there's actually a phase after two by four to the back of the head. Who would have thought? That phase is called black SUV. So back on my bike, I'm bebopping home. Life is good. With my $5 Friday night celebration, I am ready to have an adventure. I'm going to binge watch friends cry on the floor. I mean, I'm booked solid. It's, it's gonna be an adventure for sure. And the universe goes, we got him. <laughs> we, we got him now. And I'm flying down a hill on my 21 speed bike. I'm going about 35 and out of the corner of my eye, I see a black SUV blow a stop sign. And in a split second, I find myself in the ditch. Split second later, blackout. I wake up about three hours later in the ditch concussed and just in a daze. Not exactly sure what's going on. And the reason I actually woke up is because a homeless man in Atlanta had seen my bike and then had come to see me and expressed kindness and was like, sir, are you okay? I had such a bad concussion, I couldn't really speak, but I knew that I was close to home. I was about a half to maybe a mile away. So I, I kind of gave him the thumbs up and I like, you know, started walking myself home. And then I realized, you know, two flat bike tires don't really roll super well, but you know what, I can kind of coast my way home. So I got back on my bike and I like coasted myself home down the hill into my shabby apartment because I was a broke college student. And I get home and my brother who's also a physician is like there and I open the door and fall into it. And he goes, whoa, what happened? Takes off my backpack and like takes me into the bathroom and starts doing examinations. He's about a year ahead of me. So we start like going through all these different things and like, uh huh, something's like not super okay. And he's like, dude, why, why are your pants and your shirt like soaked through? And I'm starting to get some of my speech back right now. And I'm like, you know, pointing to my backpack. I'm like, the bottle of wine broke, the bottle of wine broke. And he reaches in and he pulls out an unshattered bottle of wine. I was soaked in my own blood. So we end up rushing to the hospital, making sure that I didn't have, you know, lacerations internally, any of these other crazy things, and I actually did have some internal lacerations. They thought I had something called a bucket handle fracture, so kind of like a bucket handle spring where your pelvis kind of goes open. And because I was such in this like tight state for such a period of time, my muscles had kind of held everything together, but it's really hard to get x-rays of the pelvis. So long story short, I was catheterized, I was lacerated internally, I was stitched, I was all these different things and sent home. And the doctor said, hey, Maybe in about nine months, we'll get you like up and walking, maybe running again in about nine months. And I'm like, nine months? And they said, yeah, for sure. Like, we'll, we'll get this all sipped and sorted. So for the next week, I watched everything on Netflix. And for the next three days after that, I found myself spiraling in the depth of my own thoughts for the first time, completely stuck, right? Like 
this is my first experience to like meditation with no idea what was going on. It was just this slurry of bad and negative and like, you know, bad things happen to you. And it just couldn't stop. I could not slow it down. But what happened on day 14 shaped my life forever. On day 14, just like all the other days, my brother got me out of bed at 5 a.m., took me into the bathroom, and he gave me one of the most embarrassing showers that I had to get to keep myself clean, to keep my cuts clean. Nothing worse than getting bathed by your older brother, who today I'm grateful for this experience. He goes off to school, and he places me back into bed. I'm in excruciating pain, mind you. All of these different lacerations, nothing really feels good. And about three hours later, I'm sitting in bed and I get this call and it's from a family friend. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like I haven't, I haven't talked to this person in a really long time, you know, kind of had like the smalling out and I pick up the phone and I go, hey, this is Chris. Is this Steve? He goes, yeah, this is Steve. Are you home? Like, are you still at blah, blah, blah? And like rattles off my partner. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You okay? Like what's going on? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I need you to be home. You need to get your brother. I'm coming over to your place right now. It's extraordinarily urgent. Get home. And he hangs up the phone. And I'm a little bit like, what? what? I, I haven't talked to you in like nine months, dude. Like what is, what is going on? So I frantically call my brother. I call the school. I call his friends. And I know he's in the middle of a test. So he finally answers, he's like, dude, 25 missed calls, what's going on? I'm like, Steve is like coming to the apartment. He's like, Steve? I haven't talked to Steve in like nine months. I was like, I know. He sounds really frantic and he said, make sure I get you home. And I was like, uh, okay. So he gets in and I hear his truck pull up. And then I also hear Steve's truck pull up and I'm like, uh, okay, let me get myself out of bed. So I, for the first time in two weeks, begin to get myself out of bed. I can feel my bones shifting under my pelvis. I can feel the cuts, the bruises, everything. My muscles like deteriorated over those period of time. And I hear my brother walking up the stairs. And at that time I got myself into the door frame. I'm just kind of holding myself up there. And the door opens. I see my brother standing there. My brother's been my role model since forever. He's 18 months older than I am. He was always the person that beat the ever-loving crap out of me because he was my older brother, but only he could beat the crap out of me. And for the first time ever, I'm watching my brother cry. I'm watching him sob, tears strolling down his face, like streaming. And he sees me standing there and Steve's standing behind him sobbing. And he sees me, drops everything. He runs over to me and he just holds me the way that only he could hold me. My brother was about three inches shorter than I am to this day, but he is extraordinarily strong, like five, six, benches like 350, just like so strong. And I have never felt so safe in my life and he just embraced me, just held me. And he cups the back of my head and he looks into me and he says, dad's gone. It's kind of a backstory to what happened. My dad lived down in Atlanta with us. He built movie sets for his life and he used to be a machinist and you know, our, our relationship had kind of deteriorated when uh, my parents got divorced, but we were getting it back and it had been you know, the best 
year and a half since I'd moved down to Atlanta. I, we'd had barbecues almost every week and you know, I hadn't told him that I'd been hit by a car because I knew he was going through some tough times too. What we found out later that day is not only had our dad passed away unexpectedly, he'd committed suicide out of nowhere. So I'm sure as some of you can imagine, physical body broken, that kind of took care of the rest of it. Like mind, body, spirit kind of like shattered. The foundation of reality that I had like built as a young man, no longer there. Why? Why me? Why him? No letter, no note, nothing. So they don't teach you what to do. How do you grieve? How do you, how do you process? What, 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 I, I don't, do the funeral? Do, do I, do, do I flowers or like, do we cremate him? Like, I don't know what to do. I'm 23. So the next day I went to the hospital and I said, hey, I'm going to my dad's funeral, catheterized with all these bandages and all this stuff off. I, I need to be able to like at least walk. And they're like, yeah, you know, like you're kind of like messed up right now. And I was like, yep. So they brought over over 65 pages of a waiver that, you know, allowed me to walk out of there on my own will. They said, we'll take all this equipment off, but like, you better know what you're doing. And I said, yep. And I signed it all. And we had two funerals, one in Michigan where I'm from and one down in Atlanta. And then a week passed and everything was kind of gray. Like not like a interesting, oh, the world's gray. It was colorless, it was tasteless, there was nothing. And I'd realized that when emotions get stored up into the body, we reach a threshold where it's too much and we no longer get sad, upset, frustrated. We just go numb. And that was me. And it was a scary place because there was no purpose. There was no color. What, what was the point? I'm in chronic pain at an early age. Dad gone. What's the point? So a couple months passed by and I was trying to process grief the way that I kind of was shown. I'm gonna drink a little on the weekends. I'm gonna you know, cry it out by myself in the shower because that's when my thoughts are the loudest. It's when I just miss him. And in the middle of the winter, I get a call, the next call. This time, it was a call for more, wrapped up in, what, really? So I get a call from my girlfriend at the time, lovely woman. And she says, hey, you're gonna be a dad. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Like the doctors told me like that was impossible, like, you know, all these different things, like, I, what? What do you mean I'm gonna be a dad? She says, yep, you're gonna be a dad. I'm about a month pregnant. I was like, ha, uh, crashed my system. Starting to get a little bit better, right? Maybe it wasn't all gray. Maybe there's a little bit of contrast, black and white up in there. Next day, school calls me the way that they love to do. And they said, hey, is this Chris? And I was like, sure, awesome. Like people at the admissions office. Just want to let you know that the financial aid office called and your estimation for school is going to be about $200,000. Have an amazing day. I'll see you later, bro. Thanks, admissions office. You guys are so great. Body broken, dad gone, baby on the way, $200,000 in debt, three years away from graduation. Uh, what? What did I do to deserve this? What did I do to 
be in this position. I felt confused. I was mad. I was angry. More than anything, I was scared. I didn't know what to do with the way that I was feeling. And I didn't know where I wanted to go. I, I had no sense of direction, no sense of purpose. I hadn't been back to school in a couple of weeks. I, I, I was just lost, so lost. So I went to the- Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you wanna know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorningfive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Therapist, went to the psychologist. Tell me about how you're feeling. I'm not feeling anything. That's how I'm feeling. I feel numb. Part of me feels disconnected, disassociated. I'm depressed, mixed with anxious. I can't eat. I can't even go outside. The thing that makes me feel best is not feeling at all. And they said, yeah, oh, beautiful. Tell me more about that. And I'm like, I am going to punch a hole in the wall. That was when I realized for me in that season of life, psychology, therapy, it wasn't going to be my avenue right now. It was making me worse than it kind of like had like had its intention of doing. And a mentor of mine that kind of like helped get me into the business world and, you know, kind of took care of me in my, my earlier, my late teens calls me up. He says, Hey, I heard about your dad. I was like, Don, I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I'm genuinely lost. And he says, yeah, I bet you feel really powerless right now. And I said, yeah, like I can't sleep. I can't eat. I, I don't know what to do. And he says, great. I want to tell you something that my mentor told me when I was about your age, and it's not going to make you any better whatsoever, but it is going to give you the tools to build a system to help you heal. And I was like, great. This is thank you. Oh, wise one. So great with your wisdom. And he says, knowledge is power. And this dude hangs up the phone. Now, my phone is not a little ninja star, but like mine is well bent. And I was like, this guy is just a, what? Are you serious? Like knowledge is power. Like what is this, a fortune cookie? But he was right. He was absolutely right. I had no tools to process what was going on. I didn't even know what was going on. I was upset. I was mad. I was frustrated. I was nothing. Then I was everything. And I was just this combination of like, what is, I just, I can't, what? So me with my brokenness and just nowhere to go said, great, knowledge is power. Thanks, Brosive. I'm going to go to the Goodwill on top of going back to school, and I'm just going to kind of put like some structure back in my day. On Wednesdays, knowledge is power, oh mighty one. I'm going to start reading some books. I've never been a reader. If there's ever been a shortcut, spark notes, cliff notes, I'm there, right? That's me. Make it dry, cut and sweet. I like it. So I started going there and I was like, all right, one book a month, let's go. Two books a month. And then I was like, oh, this isn't super good. But like, I kind of started to like enjoy, I was getting lost in these books. And I was like, ooh, that's, I, I kind of I like this. And I was like, you know what? Maybe we'll start reading a bit more. I was like, all right, let me check out speed reading a little bit. So I learned how to speed read and I was like, all right, a book a week? I was like, yeah, 
ooh, I'm starting to get some momentum, right? And I don't feel any better, but like I like the feeling of movement in my mind, right? That felt good to me instead of everything kind of like sitting in this cesspool, delightful. And eventually it kept working its way up. And I quite literally think I got addicted to education, like personal development. So what ended up happening is about three months into this educational journey, about six months away from being a dad, I was going to the Goodwill on Wednesdays when books are a quarter, and I had a deal with Miss Tracy at the front. I'll give you a $5 bill if I can take as many books out as I can carry. And she's like, yeah, we could do that. So I was carrying a lot of books out on Wednesdays. And what I started to realize is not only was I consuming two, three books a week, I was consuming two, three books a day. Anxiety, restlessness, if I'm not gonna sleep, I might as well be filling my brain up with things. Over the next three months, I realized that I had consumed almost 275 books. And knowledge is power guru, you are so wrong because I still feel like a dumpster fire somebody forgot to bring the s'mores to. So I call him back and I'm like, hey homie, Guess who's consumed like enough knowledge to fill a library and still feels like trash? His name is Chris and oh, here he is. And he goes, oh yeah. So here's the other half of that quote. Here's the complete quote. And I was like, okay, great, thanks. So great. Knowledge is not power, it's potential power. It's what you choose to do with it that makes you powerful. And I was like, Seriously, this, this is the infinite wisdom of you right now. And he hangs up again. I'm like, this guy. But he was totally right. I was full of knowledge, full of personal development, and still felt like trash because I had not applied a single thing. And I think this is a pathology that runs through the personal development world as well, where we consume and think that the consumption and the self-awareness is the work. But if we wanna break the way that we're living, that requires to put effort into new habits and new rituals. And this is when I really started to fall into neuroscience. So I started to better understand, I started to pick up neurology textbooks, started taking more neurology-focused classes at school. And what I started to realize is that my mind was busy, real busy, and that the mind flows through the brain. And the reason that I felt like a flaming dumpster fire was because my brain had been programmed by my focus and attention to create new pathways for my mind to put information into. Great, those pathways just so happened to be not super great. Fight or flight response, overactive amygdala, down-regulated insula, all these different areas in the brain that kind of make life seem, oh, I don't know, numb, starting to sound familiar. And I was like, oh, Oh, wait a second. So like maybe the brain is kind of like light switches, right? In the house. And I want these ones on. I'm trying to go to the kitchen to like make some breakfast, but like I'm flicking the lights on and I'm wondering, you know, the front porch is turning on, the back porch is turning on, but I need the kitchen lights on. It's dark in the kitchen. I need to go make some breakfast. I need to go find some happiness, find some purpose. I know what's in the kitchen. Where's the lights, right? I'm just kind of stumbling in the dark. I started to build this picture that the more that I could make sense of my brain and the more that I could actually wire and regulate it, Beautiful, I'm gonna get the areas of the brain on that are actually going to help me think my way out of this problem, feel differently, understand where I wanna go. And that was where I started to understand the brain is programmable. Oh, but wait a second, that wasn't fixing anything. And that's because I was kind of lost in this process. 
I didn't need to rewire my brain. I needed to shift the flow of information. Delightful. Now that I kind of have a path and a trajectory, how do I start to do that? Well, the way that I did it, because I went headfirst into this, because it was the first thing that I was like, wait a second, this feeling, is this inspiration? Can I, can I change? Can I be different? Is there a possibility that I'm not stuck as this dumpster fire of a life? So I went headfirst into it. For the next two weeks, I wore a little mobile EEG, which would indicate through very annoying beeps when my brain was going into something called high beta state. This high beta brain state is this high oscillation of brain waves, which kind of has this diffuse effect over the brain to turn off the frontal cortex where I have executive function, kind of puts me in the driver's seat. And it starts to turn off the parietal junction lobe, which is kind of where my creativity is. I kind of need that to like think my way out of a current problem, right? And what it would really do is fire up my amygdala and the amygdala kind of works as like this shoot of information. It either puts it to the frontal cortex or it shoots it back to the brainstem where our default mode system kind of lives. And default mode kind of like does exactly what it is. It's the driver of our autonomic nervous system, which works automatically. Now the autonomic nervous system does a lot of really great things for us. It's the seat of our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, which is stress versus relaxation. But what we don't really talk about is that it also activates and wires a pathway for the flow of information to go. And that flow of information for me was very primed to seek out the bad in my life, right? Because the narrative, the story was constantly the same. I was overwhelmed by these emotions and those emotions had created this brain condition for me that I sought out the bad and I could not shift out of it, right? The information that I was consuming wasn't doing a dang thing because my state, my brain state, wouldn't allow my mindset to change. Again, the mind flows through the brain. So I'm realizing this and every time I'd get those little beeps of like high beta activation, I was like, great, there's a trigger in my life. I'm triggered at red lights, I'm triggered. And I started to make this index. And I started to look at self-regulation techniques. Now, self-regulation can be two things. It's either a stimulation back to a state of homeostasis or balance where I can take proper action, or it's this down regulation where I'm getting out of my head, back into my body, feeling safe so that I can feel my emotions, right? I had a body that was full of emotions that needed to be processed. I wanted to be happy, but my bucket of experiences was just full of crap, right? And I say that, and this is the way that I used to think. It was full of crap. It was truly, my body was a textbook full of life lessons that were waiting to be processed. That's what our traumas are. That's why we store them. They are so extraordinarily rich in detail, rich in thought, rich in ways that we cannot quite perceive. And we store those challenging emotions in our body because that's the way the system has kind of evolved. Things that hurt us, right? If I put my hand on the stove, ooh, hot, not gonna touch. But we are a cultural being, right? That is our collective humanity, homo sapiens sapiens, that's us. We work together. So all of the traumas, all of the emotions, the emotional system says, oh, remember when you like loved someone more than anything? Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and create abandonment issues so like we don't ever touch hot things again. That's the way the system works, right? Emotional pain fires up the same area as physical pain. So anytime I got near to like, maybe I should like love myself a little bit, the system goes, bro, hot stove, you dumb. And it gave me every story, everything else to kind of load this up. This is when I started to get more into self-regulation. And this gets into some of the things that I wanna share with you today. 
So I want to talk about short-term, medium-term, and long-term changes to your system that can have profound effects on the flow of information through your brain, right? And this is going to be a combination of mental health and high performance because those two things I tend to believe are very much the same. This also plays into mindset because I really think that like mindset is brain state. So the first thing I started to go into was the thing that probably wasn't the greatest for me at the time, which was awesome, greatest natural research backed way to downregulate the amygdala, kind of like get my frontal cortex back up, feel a little bit differently. Meditation, great. Let's begin the meditation process. Meditation, my friends, is a long-term change and it has extraordinary effects. However, if you meditate for 20 minutes a day for 21 days, that's where you start to get more frontal cortex activation. But what I needed is some things to like kind of get me out of the hole, right? Meditation was the act of climbing up the ladder. I need the ladder, right? I'm still in the hole and it kind of looks like I'm still digging. Put down the shovel to get out of the hole. What are those skills and strategies? And this is when I started to get more into optics and then into breathing. So these are both short and medium term changes. Our diaphragm is the only musculoskeletal portion of our body that correct, connects definitely to the brain. And the reason it has such a profound effect and the diaphragm controls uh, the thoracic cavity pressure. So as we breathe in, it makes a larger thoracic cavity where our lungs are. And by doing that creates this negative pressure, pressure and it actually causes the heart to swell. And the heart also directly connected to the brain it's gonna make changes. So as the heart gets bigger, we kind of slow down, right? Our brain slows down, the nervous system regulates. Ooh, starting to get a little bit of funness here. Awesome. So the first skill and strategy that I started to develop is a one to two breathing ratio. This is some of the research out of Stanford around HRV and alpha brainwave activation. Now, that first in the moment need to make change comes from learning how to breathe a very simple breath and change the focus of your eyes. This short in the term stuff is hitting the ceiling and like I still gotta be like a parent or I still gotta like be a lawyer or I still gotta be a doctor or like I'm a human and I get emotions. That's all of us by the way. Here's what the breath is. You breathe in for two seconds. You breathe an additional two seconds in. So it's this kind of like double inhale. So it's and you kind of do this through your nose. So you've breathed in for a total of four seconds and then you breathe out for eight. That one to two inhale to exhale ratio down regulates your nervous system. And this is profound because this was the first time that I was actually able to relax in about three breaths. And it's really lovely. So I'm gonna try to do it just really obnoxiously through my nose to see if you guys can hear it. So it's this double inhale. That process for about three breaths mixed with this really quick eye um, change that I'm gonna show you guys, or hopefully introduce to you guys, was the one thing I was like, oh my gosh, I feel better? Is this better? Is this good? Um, and what it really did is as I'm measuring my brain waves, it dumped me into alpha, which is good because alpha has to do with crossing hemispheric brain connections, and that was delightful. So that's the first in the moment, stuff is sitting in the ceiling, you can kind of do it under your breath when you get good at it, and then it's like, cool, I can kind of regulate myself. The other thing that you wanna do is create optic gaze. Now, this is really important because the central nervous system is not just the brain and spinal cord, it's also the optic disc, which comes out of your brain, 
on the dorsal surface of it, and ta-da, there's the eyes. That optic disc goes all the way to our eyes. And we can change directly, fastest pathway for sure, fastest way to do this, right, is to go from very fixed on something. So if there's something in your room, just stare at it, right? That is causing a sympathetic response, right? Because think about it, if a bear is coming at you, uh, wow, those flowers are pretty. No, that's a bear coming for my life, right? I'm not trying to be a meat sandwich today. So what you can do instead of focusing directly on something that's right in front of you is you kind of create this gaze, right? We want to know why the beach and why sunsets are so relaxing is because we're watching the entire spectrum. We've created this gaze and it's kind of this relaxing type of thing. You're kind of taking everything in. Now, some of the research out of psychology and neuropsychology actually bring up this new research um, called eye desensitization. Some of you might have been doing this with your therapist. Um, but EMDR. And what you do with this is you create lateral movement in your eyes. So if you're in a room right now that has uh, a meeting of where the wall meets the ceiling, look from corner to corner, right? And what this is going to do, it actually stimulates something called deep delta brain. Um, and that deep delta has an activation in the hippocampus. And that activation in the hippocampus actually allows you to become the observer of your trauma. Right, so that's kind of another quick hack to like make some changes. If you can quickly do that, you kind of like look up at the ceiling and you go back and forth five to 10 times and that'll kind of help you downshift. Mixed with this breast, extraordinarily powerful in the moment tool to kind of start to like unbuild those pathways, right? I'm like, oh, I feel like anxious or you feel like really traumatized. That double inhale mixed with that breast and that gazing, really profound effect, very, very calming to the nervous system, right? really great for people with anxiety, also very helpful for people with depression mixed with anxiety because it's those two things in the brain are very different but also have very similar pathways. The second in the moment type of thing, this is our medium term. Um, it's gonna be also involving the eyes and also involving tools that you have on deck all the live long day, right? And it's simple, free, those are my favorites. My second favorite four letter F word, it's walking right? This walking process actually creates this ability for your brain to have optic motion at its side. And what this is going to do, and I'm going to give you guys the other hack that goes along with this, is this motion of self-propelled motion, right? So like the movement and watching things go by, your peripheral vision relaxes the nervous system and creates dopamine. And that dopamine creates motivation to continue that behavioral change. Dopamine is not the pleasure chemical, it's the intrinsic motivation chemical. Yes, it has some signaling benefits to the risk reward center and it begins to increase the things that feel pleasurable, which increases our ability to go into uncertainty and risk, kind of helpful tool to do, but really at the end of the day, when we look at the way that a brain functions, when we give it that stimulation and people that have this uh, natural pathway, tends to be an intrinsic motivation. Now, the other thing that you can do is actually begin to align your circadian biology, which is this internal clock. So our medium term is kind of a mix of mental health and biohacking. So the strongest signal to tell your biology to do something different is going to be getting outside in the morning. Every research study coming out about cellular health, about physiology and circadian biology is saying that light cycles are the strongest force to creating coordination in the body. If there's not coordination inside the body, the body is forced to kind of guess what it needs and this disconnect between the brain and the body has profound effects. Nothing is purely physio physiological, nothing is purely psychological. I want conversation between those two, right? If your body's not doing well, chances are there's something uncovered in the brain that's also kind of like giving you some troubles. So in the morning, 
right when you wake up, if you can get outside for five to 10 minutes and both create this motion, go for a quick five to 10 minute walk out in the sunlight, it's gonna have two effects. One, you actually make melatonin in the morning and people with depression and anxiety commonly report an inability to fall asleep. What this is gonna do is help to signal your brain to produce melatonin and that's a good thing because it's going to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, but it's also going to help produce a healthy amount of cortisol into your system, right? That healthy amount of cortisol is actually not going to stress out your system. We kind of give cortisol a bad name. If you didn't have cortisol in your system, you'd be dead, right? And pretty badly depressed if I'm being completely honest. So people with anxiety and depression tend to lack a healthy cortisol response. It's actually way too high and getting out in the sunlight for a five to 10 minute walk in the morning time, we're doing some yoga outside, or just standing there and like not frying your retinas looking at the sunrise, but just like being outside for a moment actually has really great effects. And there's some research out of Japan that's actually showing us that something called forest bathing has almost the same, if not better results than things like Prozac and antidepressants, getting people out in nature. Who would have thunk? The way that this works into the brain and the reason, reason it's medium term, which for me is about a week to two weeks, is that it helps you regulate sleep. So when you go into sleep, you're not just sleeping, you're both resting and recovering, right? Because those two things are different. Most people that have anxiety and depression commonly wake up two to three to 25 times in the night. So actually not getting sleep and the metabolites that build up in the brain, similar if you do a bunch of curls at the gym and your bicep gets all fatigued, brain does the same thing, right? And if we're not clearing out that lactic acid, we call it metabolites in the brain, you kind of get this brain fog and the brain does not work at optimized levels, right? If we're not working at optimized levels, uh, kind of hard to express that inner potential. So those are the three little hacks. And that last one, again, is incorporating some form of mindfulness and like this is habit hacking, right? So you need to like recognize your patterns. Where am I right now? Where do I want to go? If I have depression, have anxiety, and I want changes, what are the things in my life that I actually can change? And it's 1% shifts. I tell this to my community all the time. Great, you wanna climb the top of the mountain. There is not an elevator there. One step at a time, friends. What's the one step today? What's that 1% shift that you can make? And that comes from me from habit tracking. So you can either use a journal and reflection practices, but what these tend to do is create different pathways and it really begins to build language inside of your brain. So once you start to have that language to understand, oh, today was a good day. Awesome, why was it a good day, right? Start to focus on the what is going on in front of you, not the why, right? Why is like this very etheric, like, oh, the universe is benevolent and super, super friendly, which it is, right? We talked about that. So my simple process in the morning is a very delightful practice that I developed, super easy for journaling or just self-awareness. It's B-I-G, big. The B stands for, well, what do you believe in the world, right? The external set an expectation or an intention of what you want to experience. Today, I was super excited to connect with you, beautiful souls, and share information with you. So my system is looking for inspiration. It's looking for connection. It's looking for ways that I can express my crazy to you, and I'm hopefully doing that. The I stands for an internal intention. How do I want to feel today? What are the things that I want to experience? Yesterday, it's Magic Monday. I want to feel magic in the way that I'm going out into experience. And trust me, I experienced magic yesterday. The universe always delivers and I was paddle boarding and I one ran over a shark on my paddle board. The back of my board got bit by a barracuda. I saw a sea turtle and I also got to see like 25 dolphins. Pretty cool experience, Magic Monday, check. 
And that last one, G, stands for gratitude. Gratitude has profound effects on the brain because it primes it for happiness, right? Something called uh, learned helplessness. This is out of research um, in the 1960s around psychology. They took a bunch of German shepherds and they put them in a cage and then just randomly electrocute the cage. And at first the dog was angry and confused and biting at the cage, didn't understand. But as one to two days kind of went by, the dog would just kind of lay there and just take the shocks. It wouldn't whimper, it wouldn't cry, it learned helplessness. But there's also a thing called learned optimism. Great, if I can like teach someone to suffer, which your system innately wants to do, wants to focus on the bad so you can live, awesome. How do I prime it for happiness? Because that is the best nootropic, that is the best hack. Every research study on the face of the planet is showing that happiness is such an amazing way. So how do you get there? Well. You gotta focus on the good, right? The brain gets wired pathways inside of it through regulation, and when those doors are open, your focus, attention, and habits are what create wiring, right? So there's something called pruning and there's something called wiring when we get into the neurology of this. Pruning is getting rid of old pathways that no longer serve us. For me, down regulation of that amygdala. Too much fight or flight, doesn't feel super good. Fight, flight, freeze, fawn, right? Those three things, and that's conversation for another day. But all of those pathways really start to unpack and get in there. The other thing that we can do is also wire in and live those things. So gratitude, what is something you're grateful for yesterday? Something you're grateful for right now and something you're grateful for in the future that hasn't occurred yet, right? You're priming the system to find the good. And then at the end of the day, simple practice is just LL. What did I learn today? Right, simple, easy. What did I learn today? And you can do this with like your spouse or partner, however that looks. And then what do you wanna let go? Is there any charges that you're holding on to? Anything stuck in your body, in your mind that you're like, ugh, that lady cut me off in traffic and man, I cursed her out and I found like 75 different ways to like murder a human being after she cut me off in traffic. Like, ah, I don't know if that's really serving the whole like, I'm a peaceful person type of narrative. So you know what, I'm gonna let go. I don't know if she had a child in the car that had to get to the hospital. If she was having a bad day, I'm not gonna hold on to the fire and expect to burn her. Right? Those two simple things are kind of one of those long-term changes, and this is a mindfulness practice that actually has research back that it changes the pathways in the brain. So that's kind of the conversation I wanted to have with everyone. I know, Joy, I went over our time, unfortunately, but I hope this was filled with some value for everybody. Um, in the last 15 minutes, if we got some time, we can totally go to some Q&A. Oh my goodness. Talk about a masterclass in self-regulation. That honestly is something that most people probably haven't heard of if you haven't been searching for it, right? When it comes to, gosh, you look out in the world, you see so much crazy going on, so many emotions coming up, so much chaos. What do I do with it? I don't have anywhere to put it down. And before you know it, you've worked yourself up and how to get back to that calm, peaceful, state of gratitude where you're inside your body. And I love what you said about this idea of, you know what, I can just breathe. I can get back into my body. If I'm out of my head, getting out of my head and back into my body, when I look at the things around me that are stressful, that are overwhelming, life happens. You know, I'm so sorry to hear the story of your father. Uh, my dad actually got hit by a bike my sophomore year of high school. And, you know, you just think about all the things that happen in life that sometimes we don't have control over, but what does it look like to self-regulate, to have the tools in your toolbox when you do feel like you're out of control, that you're in your head and not in your body and what you can do to press on. So we do have about 
oh, 13 minutes to take some questions. I do want to quickly reset the room. I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but you guys definitely are in Breakfast with Champions, Millionaire Breakfast Club. We're so glad that you're here. Um, be sure to tap in. Uh, we'd love for you to join our club right over Glenn's head. Um, everybody becomes a member these days, so you don't want to miss out on great conversations like we're having. So if you're just joining the room, we are with Dr. Chris Lee today. We're talking about self-regulation. Um, what does it look like to create clarity and motivation and health that can definitely push you towards success in life and business and everywhere in between? So if you've been here for the past 47 minutes, you have, and I hope you've taken some notes. I definitely have breathing exercises, how our brains are programmable. Um, just falling in love with feeling movement in your mind. I never really thought about it like that. Reading, getting out in nature, going for a walk, those kinds of things that are just practical, tactical steps to just really improve your health, your mental health, and your life. So would love to take some questions. If those on the stage have some questions for Dr. Chris, would love for you guys to flash your mics. We'll be sure to get to you. And then I'll also open the hand raising as well to take a couple questions from the audience. So who wants to start us off? I Dr. Think Rowe. Yeah, go for it. We'll start with Dr. Rowe and Liza, who was the other name? All right, Dr. Rowe, go for it. Sure. Hi, Dr. Chris. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I am wondering how you rose above the tragedy that happened with your father at that time. What was the main primary um, step that you use to just cope um, in that first couple of years? This is such a good question. Um, in one of those random books that I read, um, one of the chapters was like how to eat an elephant, right? And you eat the elephant one bite at a time. And there's a lot of like really great uh, case studies about like the stages of grief. And I just kind of like had it in my mind that I'm gonna go through these when the time is right. I'm not gonna like totally not miss him. Like I, I still miss the heck out of my dad. Like I, I, I loved him, I missed him. And he's, you know, also presented me with an awesome like gift and like pathway to do what I get to do today. Um, but it was a daily practice and it was really opening up and becoming emotionally available to myself. Cause there's definitely days I was like, what the frog? Like, how dare you? Like, and I was just mad at him. And those days still come up. Um, but really what it was doing is just honoring the state that I was in. And there's definitely days I'm like, dude, I, I, dad, I need advice. Like, I miss you. Um, so like rising up above it was really gaining the perspective that I'm not going to eat this elephant in one day because that, that was a heck of a trauma, big T trauma um, for, the, for the therapist and the psychologist out there, right? Big, big T on top of the other big T's that I had going on. Um, so it was this understanding of just awesome. Like, what's that little 1% that I can do for myself today? That's, that's all I give myself, 1%. If I make that 1% shift every single day, it's going to have these profound implications. So it honestly took me about five years to like really unpack like a large majority of it, but I still unpack it every single day. There's still things like, um, I was at the farmer's market with my daughter the other day and out of nowhere, bald dude went walking by, had like crazy little fedora like my dad used to wear. And I was just like, oh, and I was like, oh, oh, oh. So I went to Walmart, I got a pint of Cherry Garcia and I uh, put my daughter down to bed and I cried my face off in the bathtub and ate a pint of Cherry Garcia. And that was how I honored my emotions that day. Thank you. And I'm sorry for your loss. 
Thank you so much. Awesome. Who else would like to share? If you are on the stage, I would love to hear your perspective. we got just a few more minutes. Um, this was truly a master class in self-regulation. What do you do with unpacking your emotions when they do show up in your life? So if you'd like to hop on in, be sure to flash your mic. Hey, Joy. To see you. Who's that? Hey, Joy, this is Kate. Hey, Kate, go for it. Thanks, Dr. Chris. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I'm sorry that you've had to deal with so much so much of that, it's obviously uh, not a good situation, but I love that you turned to books to really learn so much of what helped you. And I'm so curious because you've read so many books, what book do you recommend most often? Is there one that you really love that stands out? Ooh, ooh, this is, oh my gosh, what a loaded question. Um, you got, I'm like literally like staring at my bookshelf right now and I'm like textbooks, it was textbooks, um, but it's not, it's not textbooks. Um, it really, really changes. So um, yes, definitely interesting things that I got to go through. I think the book that I recommend most often, boy, that's a good question. I think the one that really flipped the script for me the most was Man's Search for Meaning um, and really understanding like, yes, my life, potential dumpster fire for sure, but not that amount of dumpster fire. If he could find meaning and purpose in the worst of human conditions, in the worst of humanity, I got a chance. Um, and I, I, I send that book out really, really often. I also send the Harry Potter series out, if I'm being completely honest. Um, big, big fan of like those types of things. Um, so that's, that's kind of that. And I actually named my daughter Phoenix. Um, through all of these things as a, as a nice reminder, um, which is a dream that I had, which is a conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that book is, is probably one of the ones that, yeah, I, I honestly probably send the Harry Potter series out to a lot of people that have uh, like pretty bad anxiety, anxiety and trauma to like kind of get them back into maybe some sense of enjoyment. Great question. All right, I know we wanted to get to Janice and I also brought up Scott um, Lappin as well, and we'll make sure that we get to your question. So go for it, Janice. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Chris, your segment was amazing. I loved it. And what really stopped me where I had to say something was the forest bath. Where I live, there's a bunch of trees. And just to know that going out into nature is so important and with the forest bath. And then to top it off, you're talking about the Harry Potter series and my younger daughter was advised by her counselor to read those for something, you know, just uh, mindless and fun. And I just don't really have a question per se. I am so grateful and give great gratitude for your segment. And thanks for all your sharing and your duck on your head. That is a gift from my daughter. She, uh, she helps me with my, with my social media content. So yeah, we're just crushing it over here. That's Sergeant Squeaks. That's awesome. Sergeant Squeaks, he came to Clubhouse today and dropped absolute bombs. Love the question, Janice. We're going to go over to Scott. If you've got a question or something you'd like to share with Dr. Chris, go for it. Hey, Scott, if you're on the stage, Scott Lappin, going once, going twice. All right, while we wait for Scott, if there's someone else who wanted to hop in, Manny, did you have something to share?
All right. You got it. If anyone else has a quick question, we've got about five more Joy, minutes. Joy, I'm sorry. It's me. Yeah. You know, big mouth, little Mike here. I just wanted to say thank you to Dr. Chris. This has been very serendipitous because woke up a little bit later today because of a late night, but I completely digested your full segment. And uh, for, for someone who just lost his dad to COVID as a creative, it has certainly had many negative repercussions. And for those of you who don't know, I performed at the breakfast of champions and I almost did not go but because of uh, the insight that I've learned and educating myself through books as you did which is uh, that's why this whole story resonated with me I guess it was just learning a little bit more about myself and learning how to grieve and I have to tell you I leaned in on every single word that you said so thank you seriously from the bottom of my heart because like you said uh, there is hope and I too have Victor Frankl's book so that, that that's certainly one I might have to revert back to so I appreciate your knowledge I appreciate you sharing and Joy thank you for allowing me the space this has been certainly um, gratifying for me this morning so I'll yield the mic back to you well Manny we send all our love and prayers to you I've definitely lost family to COVID as well and someone told me years ago that grief is simply love without a home and that is always stood by me and I know that we have so many champions in this room that are thinking and sending you lots of love and prayers from all of us so Chris this has been an incredible incredible hour I knew that you would drop some bombs when it comes to just knowing what to do when life goes left um, would love to hear your perspective too Miss Liza um, I'm so glad that you're here as well and if you have a question or something to share with Dr. Chris. Take it away, my friend. Thank you, Joy. You uh, are fantastic to bring Dr. Chris to us this morning. I've absolutely loved listening in during this hour. One thing I just wanted to pull out of what he said, and Dr. Chris, maybe you could even expand upon it. I feel like a lot of times when we are feeling lost and we always hear about this practice of gratitude, and many of us in this room practice gratitude daily, but you made a comment about gratitude for what's coming in the future. And I find that, that some friends and loved ones who have dealt with depression really have trouble with gratitude practice. And so could you expand upon that, that feeling of how do, you, how do you look for gratitude in the future and how does that play into your overall gratitude practice? Amazing question. So anxiety inside of like the brain is this over anticipation for the bad, right? So people with anxiety tend to live in the future worry. People with depression kind of get stuck in the past. So for people that have, you know, uh, either generalized anxiety, a, a lot of anxiety, these practices are extremely challenging because it's like, yeah, there's nothing good in my life, right? Like there's, there's literally nothing. So for those people, what I recommend doing is having a simple like present moment gratitude moment or present moment gratitude moment. Look at us go, big old doctor things. So this practice is, is really simple. If you have anxiety, depression, um, this is kind of the thing that allowed me to get to uh, future pacing um, and kind of like retrospection, which kind of involves that gratitude practice. So if you have those things, that is a challenging practice. But in the morning time, I like my coffee. So I sit down on my front porch or what I used to do is I used to go sit in my like tiny little apartment and I'd have a cup of coffee and I would just be grateful for that cup of coffee. And what I would do is play a little game with myself. How did the cup of coffee get in my hand? And how many people did it take to actually get this cup of coffee hot and in my hand? Well, first off, there's the cup, right? And then who knows where the clay came from, right? And like maybe uh, some woman down in South America made the clay or found the clay, or maybe it's from China and maybe somebody built that. And what I was doing is creating projections of other people's lives into how I got to this present moment. 
And what it was doing is creating, and I, and I say this, there's probably gonna be a lot of therapists out there like, ah, easy there, buddy. Um, it was creating healthy dissociation. And I say healthy dissociation because the dissociation that so many people have is just a projection away from like the present, right? It's the future anxiety, it's the past depression. And having those two things in conjunction, what I was doing is creating pathways for like in the moment, how did this coffee get in my head? What about the beans? What about the water? Where's this water from, right? Is there a river nearby and all of those different things? They were allowing me to create different pathways into like where I was right now. And eventually it goes into, well, awesome. How am I feeling right now, right? This cup of coffee in my hand, well, it, it feels warm, right? And you can kind of do an internal body scan with simple practices like that. So if you're feeling all of these different things or depression or anxiety or some of these like more complex things, PTSD, um, it's hard for us to feel safe in our body. But what we can start to do is build up an index of self-awareness of just what is it, right? So you can have a cup of something warm in your hand, right? And just say, awesome, this feels warm in my hand. And I think I kind of like it, right? And, you know, playing that also like presence game was really helpful to me too, to eventually get to something in the past, something right now, something in the future. Does that help? Super helpful. Thank you so much. Well, as we round out this hour, if you want to flash door mics for Dr. Chris, what an incredible share. Be sure to follow him here. Um, you can also follow him on Instagram. Chris, where was the, where's the best place to tap in? I know that you also have a podcast um, and a really great community called Wired for Worthy if people want to um, follow what you've got going on. So where can they follow you um, where they can tap into all this incredible knowledge um, as well. Yeah, so I run a podcast and I'm not gonna swear the last line of this sentence is not frog, it's the other F word, but my podcast is called The Healthy Mind Frog or Truck, right? Put those things together. Um, and we drop episodes on Monday, super fun show, high biohacking type of thing. Um, and then I also have a really cool community called Wired for Worthy, where we kind of talk about, all right, self-love and self-worth because I missed that day on career day. How do I find to like love myself and some of these practical tools that we've been talking about? Um, and I made that hyper, hyper affordable too. There's a link in my bio to come join that party. But if you guys got questions, like reach out to me on Instagram, drop me a DM. I will always get back and I'm gonna find some extra time because I know I have a lot of new uh, messages that are kind of waiting there. So if you guys have questions that didn't get answered or any comments, feel free to just drop me a message. Um, I'm the only one that runs that page. Nobody's gonna see your messages. It's just gonna be me there. So those are the best ways to connect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Chris. We might have to have you back for a part two. I know there's so many questions from those in the audience and on stage and anyone who can make science and learning fun and engaging. I literally took so many notes and we just want to thank you again for your time, your intention, and I'm so incredibly grateful. So make it a fabulous day. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.